Hello everyone and welcome back to the Iris Pod. I'm delighted today to be joined by James Solomides, co-founder and chief commercial officer of Near You, which I described before I met you as Airbnb for uh, meeting rooms and office space, and you described it as exactly the same when we met. So Spot on, absolutely. Well, you're very welcome to be here. Um, let's get straight into it. Tell us about uh, Near You. Give us a bit more flavor than Airbnb for office space. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so I think in terms of the the kind of the background behind it, the, the idea essentially is to capitalize the shift in uh, mindset around how people want to work. You know, there's there's been a, clearly the last couple of years have have changed the way we work. Uh, you know, employees are now demanding a lot more flexibility uh, from their uh, from their employers, but also in terms of from themselves. You know, how they work. Not everybody wants to spend five days in an office. Not everybody wants to spend five days at home. So it's you know it, it's kind of capitalising on the change in in mindset from wider society and, and being able to make that choice and kind of own where you work. So essentially, uh, Near You is a platform that connects workspaces to users. So the Airbnb analogy works quite well. Lots of people know about Airbnb. Um, I also like to reference the sort of Uber model, given the pay-as-you-go nature of the platform. So it's, it's totally pay-as-you-go. There's no memberships, no subscriptions, no kind of credits. Um, you, you essentially can open up the app, log on, find a workspace, book it and come out again within 30 seconds if you needed to. So it's it's very much there to sort of serve a purpose. Uh, it, it does a job very well and it's certainly a job or it, it solves a problem that a lot of people have. Um, you know, whether that is looking to find an alternative workspace to their home, whether it's avoiding a daily commute, uh, whether it's finding overflow space from a desk perspective or a meeting room perspective, there's there's lots of different ways that it can benefit individuals and businesses. Um, you know, we are, we're sort of shifting our focus certainly more to the enterprise market. You know, this is a, a, a product that can be used B2C in the same way Uber, Airbnb, uh, but also B2B in that it solves a problem for businesses who are looking to adapt their offering to their staff from a workplace offering perspective. Excellent. Did you, um, before we dig into the, to the kind of use case itself, mm. tell us about how it was during that COVID pandemic in setting this business up? Because I understand originally, uh, what, who's the, who's your- uh, Dan. Dan, your, your, your founder um, that you work alongside on this, originally set it up for students to find space in libraries for studying or whatever it might be that they're doing. So it's an interesting shift that was obviously kind of born out of the situation that businesses and entrepreneurs, small teams or large teams were placed into. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So as you say, it, it was originally created as a way off, off the back of Dan's own experience for students to find library space and, and sort of very quickly open up a platform, book a space, so they were guaranteed when they turned up, they'd, they'd have somewhere to work. Um, everything in 2020 that happened obviously took place and the the demand then for on-demand workspace and, and the hybrid way of working started to increase. So Dan originally kind of seized that opportunity, um, decided to pivot into the workspace model. Um, and I think initially sort of trialed um, onboarding a couple of sort of pub venues, hotel venues, um, to see how, what the appetite was, if, if it was something that could work. Um, and early on, I think there was a bit of traction, um, but given uh, his background, it, it was outside of the flexible workspace industry in terms of contacts, understanding of the, the sort of inner workings of the industry. Um, he reached out to me based on my 11 plus years of, of experience. Um, we had a conversation and decided this was something that, that actually you know, really really could kind of scale. Um, and uh, very quickly, we got traction with a couple of clients. Uh, again, it was 
sort of casting our mind back to um, early 2021 when we were still very much in the midst of, of COVID, various lockdowns. We didn't know, you know, what was going to happen, essentially how long this was going to last. So a lot of companies we were speaking to at the time were still a little bit too uncertain around sort of venturing outside of the house, essentially. Um, there was a lot of concern from employers around uh, their the way it was to be perceived if they were to utilize something like this and encourage staff to get out of the house. It, it wasn't really accepted at the time. Um, so we did struggle a little bit early on in terms of having those conversations. And over the summer, it started to ease up. So we got a bit more traction. Then we came into kind of Q4 and Omicron, you know, raised its its head and uh, everything shut down again. Uh, and again, at that point, it was, it was concerning because we didn't know if Omicron was going to be another 12 month variant that was going to shut everything down again. Um, thankfully, it, it wasn't, and it was a lot less severe than everybody thought. So, you know, confidence returned early 2022, and uh, a lot of businesses have now said, right, we've done this for two years. We need to work out what's going on. Let's let's try it. And and the great uh, so the great thing about it being pay as you go is there's a lot of there's a lot of flexibility clearly in that you can switch it on, switch it off, scale it up and down as needed. But there's an element of trust with our clients because we know and they know that they're not tied in and we're not going to you know get them get them on board and then sit back and say right you you signed up for 12 months now you got to you know crack on so there's always open conversation with our users we're always looking to improve the platform we've got a number of future rollouts in the pipeline um but it's it's going well and and I think 2022 is definitely going to be the year of trial and error you know exploration for businesses who are saying we aren't going to return to the way it was, or I've heard use the uh, acronym RTP, return to past, you know, the, the way it was it didn't work for most people. So we're going to try something new. We don't know what this year holds. We don't know really what the next six, 12 months holds. So rather than coming out with our defined strategy and saying, we do know what it holds, we're going to do this and in 12 months, this is what it will look like. There's an acceptance now that we have to be flexible. Anything we do we have to be able to adapt to the changing conditions, which is where near you is perfectly placed. I, I really do see uh, see it the same. I think em, employees are demanding the flexibility, work-life balance, mental health reasons. And I think almost what we were forced into actually proved to business leaders as well, that having your team working virtually in, or in a hybrid fashion isn't the end of the world and you know they're actually still going to be productive still be professional in executing what they have to do for the company and almost gives a, a sense of trust into the hands of of your team to uh, to deliver for you um and you said you, you mentioned an interesting stat which i i thought actually rings true that whilst most people now want to do some form of hybrid work and work from home, they definitely don't want to be at home five days a week. They still want that touch point and balance being amongst their team. Yeah, absolutely. I think, the, again, the, the stats, and the, there's been so many surveys with different numbers, but I think the, the sort of figure that's loosely agreed on is around 10, only 10% 10 of staff want to work from home five days a week. 70 to 80% typically want some form of hybrid mix. So it's, it's offering that, that change or offering that choice, sorry, ultimately in, in terms of how people work, which is where it just becomes so important. And as you said, employees are now voting with their feet. You know, we've been through or we're going through the, the great resignation as it's being called, where companies are saying, well, if I'm not going to be offered that flexibility, that's more important to me. 
I've realized over the last couple of years than working for X company for X amount of money. So, you know, there's, there's also been a number of companies that have popped up that are essentially highlighting the most flexible employers because that's now where employees and, and job hunters are starting to look. It's not all about the money and, and the, the role or the company. It's now about how does that company and that job fit within my own values and within my own lifestyle? You know, there's been clearly the last couple of years have been a horrendous period in time and, and six, seven million people have, have lost their lives. But if we are going to look for the positives, then I think the hybrid way of working and the improvement to you know, the white collar worker, typically in an office who can have that flexibility, the, the improvement to their work life balance has has been huge. And, and it will continue to evolve that way because I think it's on such a big scale. And as you said, the results are proven. Um, you know, there's there's stats around how more how much more productive employees are, how much more happier employees are. Um, so it, it, it almost seems nonsensical to want to go back to the way it was when we look at actually the improvements that have been made over the last few years. The one that also comes to mind is the reduction in the commute. You know, I don't mind doing that hour door to door, yep. you know, a couple of times a week, but to do that five times, and that's what we were doing, right? Totally, I, I mean, I live in Kent and my daily commute was, it was an hour and a half each way. So three hours a day on a train, you know, cost me the best part of 500 pounds a month. Yeah, and we dragged you in here today. Well, there you go, <laughs> Sorry there you go. <laughs> Sorry, I got an off-peak ticket. Um, but it, it, it's it's one of those things, I mean, I, in, in that free time, so over the last couple of years I have, uh, you know, I bought a second-hand guitar off Gumtree and started learning the guitar. I, I got a paddleboard and started learning to paddleboard. You know, the, these are the things I've, I've got three hours a day back to do what I want, exactly. essentially. Yeah. You know, I, I have now four young children, uh, so clearly I, I don't have much free time, but I've, you know, pre-pandemic, I would, I would put them to bed on a Sunday night and I, I genuinely wouldn't see them awake until the following Friday evening because I would be gone in the morning before they were awake and I'd be home in the evening when they were asleep. And we just did that because that's the way it was. Nobody questioned it. But it, it, it seems crazy to think that we did that because yeah. that was the way it was. That was just the thing everybody did. So my, uh, my soon to turn three-year-old daughter, uh, you know, I have a very different relationship with her because I've been around far more than with my two eldest sons. So, you know, I, I think, like I say, the, the value in having that flexibility and being able to ditch that commute is is massive from a personal sort of well-being and, and improvement in the quality of life perspective. Yeah. We've talked about the positives, but what are the challenges that you see with the hybrid virtual working pattern? I mean, I, I can think of one which is connected to why we built this business or yeah. certainly this product within our business, which is just the endless hours of screen time um, and frustrating, unproductive meetings, uh, what seemed like a kind of barrage of endless calls. But, you know, in your mind, what, what, are, the, what are the challenges that we need to observe and, and find solutions for? I, I think one of the biggest challenges is upskilling management to deal with this new dispersed remote way of working because there's a, you know, early on again, in, in, in when everybody was first at home, there, was, there were a few companies started popping up and became quite popular that tracked activity on laptops. You know, we were in that mindset of presenteeism. If you weren't in the office, you weren't working. So all of a sudden, management started thinking, well, okay, how are we going to track that people are working? 
and, and it, there's this shift in actually what is working. Is it sitting at your desk in an office? And we all know, you know, 5 p.m. most evenings, you'd see several people on Facebook or, you know, BBC News. They weren't working. They were just sitting in the office because they needed to be seen in the office. And I think this has now shifted away from, you know, that, that element of presenteeism where people have started to understand, like, you don't have to be in the office to actually be doing your work. You know, work has changed from a thing we do to a place we go. You know, we, we oh, sorry, changed from a place we go to a thing we do. Um, so I think one of the challenges is then getting management on board with that and understanding just because they can't see you doesn't mean you're not working. And we are, you know, we very much now have to focus on what is the output, what is the quality of work that we're doing versus the number of hours that we're putting in. And I read a great, a great quote the other day that um, I, can't, I can't remember who, who said it, it was something on LinkedIn said, employers must remember that they hire or they, they employ staff to produce an output, not, they don't pay them for their time, they pay them for an output. So, and, and that's really, I think, where the biggest challenge is. And we're starting to see more and more businesses come around to that. And, and again, lots of the, you know, the Facebooks, Amazons, Twitter, you know, are sort of saying, look, you can work remotely wherever you need to. It, it doesn't matter. You never have to come back to the office. Um, but I think there's a lot of smaller companies who are sort of saying, well, how in reality is that actually going to work? And what are the other challenges around culture, company culture? Um, you know, if, if we've got staff totally remote and they only ever see each other on a screen, all the things we used to do, like team drinks on a Friday or donuts on a Wednesday or, you know, whatever it was, we can't now do. So how do we remain or how do we maintain the culture that we had pre-COVID when everybody's all over the place now? So again, it's, it's understanding that management don't necessarily have the answers straight away because we've been thrust into this position. So it's giving them time to understand how best to to kind of change or help us to manage the change as well, I think is is the biggest challenge that we have when speaking to lots of lots of clients. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I observed was when you leave the office, there, there is a, almost a, a time for for many people that okay now I'm going to shut down and I'm going to I'm going to go home and yeah. almost that is a reset to your mind and body to go right now I'm this is me time. I found, and, and not just me, but for a number of members of the team, that that end point of the day when you are already in your home environment is not there anymore. Oh, I'll just do a few more bits um, and I'll just carry on. And almost detaching yourself mm. from work, it it kind of had this blend into work-life um, uh, dimensions. So I think, yeah, there's a there's a challenge to not switch off. To totally, I, I absolutely agree. And I... I have experienced that firsthand and I still struggle to, you know, as I say, with young kids, I, I'm normally up at six in the morning and I, I will quite, I mean, that's <laughs> not that early, but I, you know, I will quite often go downstairs and think, well, I'll just turn the laptop on and just see what's going on. Yeah. And you know, from, from six, you're not properly sitting down and doing things, but by nine o'clock you have done a fair bit and your mind thinks you've been working for three hours and you know, it comes to 6 PM. And again, you sort of think, oh, well, I'll, I'll pull the laptop into the kitchen and cook dinner whilst doing some other emails. And, and before you know it, it's eight o'clock and you're still doing that. Now, I think that is is a very unproductive way of working clearly. And we know that and we know it leads to burnout. But like you said, having that commute, it used to bookend the day. You knew that when you turned up at the office, you were ready to work. And when you left, 
that you had that, I mean, I personally had that hour and a half to kind of decompress on the way home, you know, get out of work mode, get into home mode. Um, and we don't have that now. So that I think has been a real challenge for, which has led to burnout for a lot of people. Um, so it's it's now trying to adapt and think, well, what can I do? Should I just go for a 15 minute walk? You know, mm. just to just to change my, my brain, you know, the mindset of where I am. Am I working or am I at home? Because it's that continual fluctuating between the two, which I think leads to the burnout because in your mind you're thinking, well, actually I've worked a lot longer or I'm doing a lot more than I really need to. Um, you know, take the dog for a walk, walk to the, you know, do a couple of laps of the garden, whatever you need to do, um, listen to a podcast. But equally, that's where something like Near You comes in handy because it offers an opportunity for people to work close to home, but not at home. So you, you might not be comfortable or might not have the space or it might not be a productive environment to work from home, but equally you don't need to sit on a train for an hour or drive an hour to, the, to, the near, you know, to your centralized office. So if there's somewhere 10 minutes away, you could walk there, you could drive there. Um, and it's that change of scenery, change of setting that puts you in the right frame of mind for when you're working and then helps take you out of that when you get home. What about the distractions at home? I think, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about are professionalism. So, you know, I, I, uh, a big bank in the UK has put all their telesales staff at, at home working. And I think maybe one of the insights that they've failed to really recognize is not everyone is fortunate enough to have dedicated office space. They're working from you know, the kitchen worktop or the dining room table if they're fortunate, or you know, we've even got some, some stories where people are in you know, multi-generational households and, or house shares and they're working from their bedroom yeah. and doing customer service desk yeah. work or whatever that might be. Um, you know, those distractions can impact on professionalism. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, again, firsthand, you know, I've, I say I have four young kids and a, a dog um, there's there's plenty of noise and movement behind me on lots of video calls. Um, I think we've a, a, another positive to come from this is that I I've found people we're speaking to people now view other people as as people. You know that we we are first and foremost individuals with a job that we're all doing, and we've you know we've almost been let into each other's homes and we've seen each other's personal lives and. It, again, it, it, I, I never really got it, but you know, pre-COVID, if if a child walks into the room, wave at the child, say hello. You know, don't don't ignore the child and make the person on the other end of the call feel awkward about it, because you know they're trying to do a job. They're in their own personal situation, and now we've all been putting this together. Um, and and like you say, I think unfortunately, a lot of the the key decision makers in large businesses are of a certain demographic who don't necessarily represent. The, the, the full diversity of their employees. And those, again, typically older individuals making those decisions will probably have their own home office. And it won't necessarily cross their mind to think, well, actually the people we're now asking to work from home are probably sitting at the end of their bed or on their kitchen table or in a flat share, and it's not conducive to, to productive work. So again, that's where something like, something like this platform, it just offers that choice. It just gives another option for somebody who isn't in a position to work from home, whether that be through choice or, or productivity related. Yeah, excellent. So uh, let's flip it the other way. I, I'm running a business and you know my team are now partially virtual, hybrid fashion, whatever it might be. I've got a couple of spare offices knocking around. Can I put those on the platform and put that inventory there for others to make use of? Yeah, I think if, if it's, if it fits certain criteria that, that we kind of have in terms of the, the quality control checks, um, then absolutely we are always looking to increase the 
the, the stock that's available to our users. Um, and if there is the, the system in place that would allow uh, you know, accurate bookings and, and kind of conversations and, and make sure everything is as it needs to be, then yeah, absolutely. You know, what, what we aren't doing is we're not listing converted restaurants and we're not listing, you know, somebody's got a shed, they turn into an office. We're not doing that because the types of clients that we have on the platform are, you know, a number of global enterprise companies. And what we don't do is restrict the choice that individuals have to access certain locations. So once somebody is on the platform, they can access any of the locations, which currently is around a thousand locations across 70 odd countries. So if there was one location in there that, that let everything down and an employee from a global corporate booked in there, the feedback would be terrible and, and the, the, that client potentially could come off the platform. So yes, w you know, we are talking to some companies if they have excess space, and they would like to monetize it, uh, then we can list it on the platform, but there are certain quality checks it would have to go through. You don't want to fall foul of, I don't want to diss Airbnb, but there's certainly been stories yeah. of a number of disasters where you know your um, log cabin in the woods with hot tub yeah. actually turns out to be garden shed yes. at end of garden yeah. with a bathtub with some bubble jets kind of <laughs> after fitted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we, have, we have a review system as well on the app. So you okay. know, once an individual uses it, they can leave a review and there's photos and chat functions and, and things like that. Ultimately, your work environment needs to be as best as you can achieve a, a sanctuary for whatever the work is that you're trying to do, right? If you're trying to focus and get your head down, there's a type of environment that's probably going to fit to you. If you're doing a one-to-one -one meeting, there's going to be a different environment. Um, I guess a lot of entrepreneurs or, or businesses of any size really might have previously caught up in a coffee shop or wherever that might be. Sometimes that's not the best environment, right? Uh, absolutely. I think, you know, as you said, sometimes it is the best environment, you know, living to the local coffee shop. Um, I, I think what has become quite evident over the last couple of years is how how different people work and, and the types of environment that different people really thrive in. And not only that, but it's how different people thrive in different environments based on the type of work they've got on any given day. So I, one day I might have some focus work and, and there's a particular type of environment I want to be in. I might have some focus work on another day, but I want to be in a different type of environment. It, it's entirely down to that individual to understand and, and find the right space based on the type of work they've got to do and how they're feeling that day. And, you know, we've seen, again, my background within this space for the last 12 years now, early on, an office was very much a box with some desks in it. And, you know, the thought of a beanbag was slightly out there. But what, what you're looking at now, and for, certainly for the last sort of five, six years, it's it's moved towards, and I think we work actually to give them, you know, give them the credit has has really helped bring this to the the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Is they they've changed the way they do space. So, you know, they change the way they kind of offer the space. And offices now are yes, you need the desks because that's conducive to a certain type of work, but you also need the thinking space, the quiet space, the focus space, you know, lots of types of work. I mean, again, I remember I used to spend three hours a day on a train and sometimes I would come into the office, spend a while trying to find the quietest desk in the office, plug my headphones in and sit there doing computer work for eight hours and then get up and get a train home again. What yeah, was what the was, point in that? What was the point? What was the point? We, we, and, and that's where we've now started to question why we're doing things. So the way that a lot of offices are now fitted out is, is very different and it's far more productive or if it's far more conducive to 
being productive for the users because they have the, almost the different areas that people can move to and move within based on the type of work they've got to do. What, just as a slight kind of side point from an environmental perspective, mm -hmm. you know, this, is, this is transformational, right? Um, we don't have to do that commute, chug all of that CO2 out into the atmosphere. Um, it's just better for the planet as well as for the human beings on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, you know, we, we are encouraging people to ditch the commute, you know, whether that's uh, train or, or car. I mean, to be honest, even bike, you know, it saves them time. Um, but yes, from an environmental perspective, we we also offer a, a, kind of an, a separate data and analytics um, piece that we can run for a, for a company whereby we can quantify the amount of CO2 reductions they, they could achieve as a firm by utilizing on-demand space through near you versus their current fixed oh, interesting. Um, which is which is to a lot of companies actually far more uh, of value than the platform itself. So there's there's certainly two elements that we can again appeal to lots of different companies with. Excellent. What's a typical customer for you guys then or, or user? Is it, you know, do you see it more as an entrepreneurial end, startup type end of the life stage or is this something, you know, that you're seeing Larger companies take advantage. It's, it's a real mix. Um, you know, the, the fact that it is, uh, anybody can sign up. So from a B2C perspective, anybody can download the app and, and you know, sign up and start using it. Um, but also from an en enterprise perspective, from a large business perspective, uh, there are lots of different values. And what a lot of businesses are starting to look at doing now is reassess their footprint, their portfolio, and starting to... Uh, look into the data around how is their existing portfolio being utilized? How can we reduce some of that space and therefore spend? Um, what solutions can we offer in place of existing offices? You know, because the way people are using offices now, again, is, is very different. So whereas before you may have had a 500 person office being used by 500 people, that office is maybe now being used by 100 people. So there's a lot of wasted space Again, from a sustainability perspective, that the green credentials, carbon footprint on that space um, is, is not effective. From a cost perspective, there's a lot of empty space. So again, businesses are looking at where can they downsize, how can they save time, money, et cetera, and what can they put in place? So uh, I think to answer the question, it, it's a real mix. We are focusing on a lot of enterprise businesses, and we've got some exciting clients that we're, we're kind of due to announce shortly. Um, but equally, the the sort of freelancer, entrepreneur, um, even individual employees within big enterprise companies who haven't yet offered this are able to sign up and use the space. Um, you know, if, if you work for, I mean, let's say Google, if you work for Google uh, and your, your office is an hour away or two hours away, you might not necessarily want to commute there. But if you've been given the flexibility to work from home, you might not want to work from home. So you say, okay, well, if Google aren't going to offer me this, I'll travel 10 minutes and, and you know, for 15, 20 pounds a day, I'll, I'll work somewhere that will allow me to be far more productive. 15 to 20 pounds a day. So, I mean, that's cheaper than even the most basic, even off-peak train ticket in many instances. Yeah. If you live even 30 minutes outside of London, as an example, and it's probably the same for many other cities, not just in the UK, but around the globe. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if if an individual's company for whatever reason doesn't want to utilize the platform, like you said, it, it still can be more cost effective than that individual getting on a train and going to the, the office. Uh, yeah. and, and again, it, it comes back to that question of output. And if somebody is going to be more productive working 
in an external environment 15 minutes from their house for the sake of 15 pounds, you know, that is going to be a better use of that spend and time versus sitting in their home office where they might have distractions and they won't produce the same output over that period of time. Technology is a real leveler, I think, across different business sizes. You know, everyone can use tools for productivity and solutions that are out there, whether you're just starting out and there's a couple of you kind of hustling around a, your kitchen table or, you know, right up to enterprise businesses that many hundreds, if not thousands of, of employees. What are your um, top tips? You've talked about, you know, making sure management are equipped for the demands of understanding hybrid working and mm -hmm. its benefits and pitfalls. Um, you've talked about that maybe 15 minute reset at the end of the working day to get into home life. What are your other top tips for how to be productive in this hybrid work setting? Um, I think it's, it's be clear on what you want to achieve. Um, because again, there are so many distractions that you can spend a day and get to the end and think, actually, what, what have I done? I've just sort of done some admin tasks and done this and that. So I think set, set a sort of clear uh, to-do list. Um, and again, managing that across a team and there's lots of te technology platforms, you know, Notion, for example, or, you know. Uh, we're a big fan of Notion. Same, yeah, <laughs> we, 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 we've got very, yeah, a, a lot of Notion pages. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's things like that that I think because staff are now dispersed, Everybody needs to have access to the same information, uh, you know, Slack and Teams, whatever the, the kind of chat functions. Um, but it's, I think it's understanding that because we're now embracing different ways of working and, and people work on different time zones and people work better in the morning and the evening, it's not always about that instant response. You know, it, it sometimes send your message, be clear with what you need to, what you're asking and then leave it to that person to respond when is right for them. Um, so there's, again, it's that shifting mindset to almost be clearer with what we're asking certain people. So we don't need to, you know, we can cut down on the meetings, for example, you know, if you, if you can send something in an email and be very clear about it or in a Slack message and then leave it for that person to come back later in the day, then that's something you've ticked off and you can move on and do something else. Um, I think that there's a great, um, company, uh, that I, I recently came across a company called Spot with spot um and they they essentially it's a, a phone app that encourages walking meetings this is almost a note taking while you're doing meetings so you can have a phone call meeting but then at the end of it you get back and all the notes have been taken you can you can do various things in the app but again it encourages you to get out and sort of take that meeting walking <laughs> rather than sitting at home on a desk so there's i think there's lots more of these companies that are starting to pop up where they are you know really focused on this new way of working and what is the you know the hybrid worker of today need want you know what is going to improve their output their well-being there's a huge focus on obviously well-being as well because people have suffered over the last couple of years absolutely I, i'm smiling on the the work meeting i'm going to check that one out because when we were in lockdown and it's funny you said you bought a guitar jacoby our founder bought a ukulele and um was you know strumming away on that one yeah. um <laughs> and i was out i would walk 25,000 steps at least every single day because wow. I would just do all my calls yeah. walking around. But of course then, and it was actually a catalyst for why we invented Iris Clarity, uh, the background noise of the wind or yeah. whatever was happening was, you know, Tom, can you go on mute every five seconds? Um, so it's interesting because that's definitely something that I embrace. Yeah. Just, I would walk everywhere yeah. and, and yeah, just oh, do the, the same. meeting. The, the same. I remember um, sort of early on in, in and I, 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 at times used to, I was fortunate enough to actually work one day a week from home for a, a period of time, 
which again was very much against the norm. And you know, how get, dare you? I know, well, I mean, I, you know, I would get the whole you know part timer jibes and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, but I remember being really self conscious one one day. It was in the summer, and I sort of had the doors open. And you could hear the birds in the background, and people were really questioning, "Where are you? What you know? What are you outside?" And and I was sort of embarrassed. I said, "No, I'm, I'm working from home," um, because there's you know there was that background noise, and again you have a fan on, and people are like you on a golf course. It sounds you know you're in, in the middle of the mountains or whatever. So to have some sort of you know cancellation or voice isolation um, for for those calls now is is so important. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the kind of companion to the fuzzy background. You know, if you want to put, not, you know, show your background. Yeah. And actually, I think at the start of the lockdown, there was a thing where it was like, show your home office. And I actually found it to be quite counterintuitive to the positivity I think it was trying to create. Because yeah. a lot of people are like, I don't want to show you my background. I'm A, I'm not in a specific office. This is yeah. just my house. Yep. Go away. This yeah. is an invasion of my personal space. That, that's it. That, and that's that point earlier around... We, we allowed people into our homes, but at first there was that slight hesitation to do it Ooh. because people were sort of thinking, oh, well, is, is this okay? Does it look professional enough? You know, this word professional that kind of kept coming up, but actually what is professional? You know, as long as you are respectful and, and you're polite and you understand what you're doing and, and it's a mutual you know, thing, then I, I, yeah, I think people have become far more comfortable now in saying, well, I am a person, this is my house. I'm in the same situation as everybody else. Here it is, but, but also, equally respecting the fact that if somebody doesn't want to have their camera on on a video call then that's also fine you know yeah. everybody's different yeah absolutely um we're not going back are we this is this is the way that we're going to be doing it and i think Hopefully. we're still finding our feet you know different companies are still you know going at their different trajectories but i cannot see a world where we return 24 7 we're well, not quite 24 7 but certainly five days a week in a, in an office. No, I, I think the the office is is absolutely not dead, and the office is a very important tool, but it's not necessary for everybody to be there five days a week. Again, work is something we do, not a place we go. It's it's got to be the the, the choice, the empowerment has to sit with the individual because they are ultimately the, the only person that knows, based on what they've got to do, where the best environment is for that type of work. So, the office isn't going anywhere. And there are some people who love being in office five days a week. So it would be wrong to take that away and say, you can't be in the office five days a week. But the vast majority of people like having that choice and mixing it up. And, and some some weeks, they might be there five five days. The next week, they'll be at home five days. Some days, they'll do two, doing one, three, and the other. Um, it's just having that choice now, which which is really coming through in terms of what's driving employees' decisions around where they do their work. I think choice is the choice was the word that popped up, and trust is the other one. You know, and I think you you spoke well about the the um, the need for management to really embrace this, understand it, educate themselves on it. Uh, James, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find near you? I, I've got the the Apple app. It's fantastic. Uh, they got it on uh, Android store. Android, as well. yeah, absolutely, yep. Yeah. Apple um, iOS store, Android store. It's free to download. Uh, you can log on and, and create an account. Have a look at the full coverage. As I say, currently sits around a thousand locations across seventy countries, but we're continually adding to that. Um, so yeah, please do um, check it out and uh, be good to hear feedback. Fantastic. Thanks so much, James. Thanks for having me.